Happy Saturday, and thank you for joining me today. Dr. Anna Stratus is going to be joining me in just a moment. You do not want to miss that interview, and we have lots more to get to. We also have a special report coming up on the brain-eating amoeba in Texas. Also, we're going to have reporting on Hurricane Delta and how that's looking right now. But let's begin in Brazil. Brazil is located in South America and borders the Atlantic Ocean. It is the largest Latin American country and has a population of approximately 212 million people. Brazil has presidential elections just like us, and they occur every four years. And so in 2018, they elected Jair Bolsonaro. Reportedly, his nickname is, quote, Trump of the Tropics, end quote. Here's reporting from Vox News at the time, quote, Jair Bolsonaro, a far-right politician often compared to Donald Trump, was elected president of Brazil in arguably the country's most important election in its history. He defeated the leftist Workers' Party candidate Fernando Haddad with 55% of the vote. Bolsonaro's victories, Bolsonaro's victory swings Latin, Americans, Latin America's largest nation swiftly to the right, marking the latest in worldwide victories for fringe movements and, re- and representing a significant break in voters' support for the leftist party that dominated past elections. It also follows coordinated efforts to silence and intimidate journalists who report on the fake news surrounding Bolsonaro's campaign. The article continues, quote, a former army captain, um, Bolsonaro, a former army captain, Bolsonaro has capitalized on Brazil's political, Brazil's political and economic turmoil by promising to, quote, break the system, end quote. He has a troublesome affinity for military dictatorship and a history of embracing offensive views about women, the LGBTQ community and racial minorities, end quote. So this is the president of Brazil, President Jair Bolsonaro. And as the coronavirus pandemic became more prevalent, it it eventually hit Brazil. The Brazilian president downplayed the pandemic, calling it, quote, a little flu, end quote, until the point when he delivered this literally flabbergasting statement. I remember remember when he said it, because we actually covered it on the show at the time back in June. He said, quote, we will all die one day, end quote essentially expressing no concern at all about the lethality of the coronavirus pandemic and how, and really, the the, the alarming rates for people who have been dying from the coronavirus pandemic. Then in July, he and his wife tested positive for COVID-19. When he announced that he had tested positive for the coronavirus, here's what happened. Quote, uh, this 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 this, art, this is reporting from BuzzFeed News. Quote, During the televised interview in which he announced he had tested positive in July, Bolsonaro removed his mask, prompting the Brazilian Press Association to file a criminal complaint to the Supreme Court for endangering journalists who were present at the news conference. End quote. So, at the news conference where he announced that he was positive for COVID-19, he removed his mask. That's what he did. After that, uh, he and his wife later went into quarantine. And after three weeks of quarantine, President Bolsonaro said this, quote, I knew I was going to catch it eventually. You know, as I think, unfortunately, nearly everyone here is going to catch it eventually. I regret the deaths, but people die every day from lots of things. That's just life. End quote. So upon departing isolation and feeling better, you would think that he would have learned something from that from that life-threatening and diametrically terrifying experience, but he did not. 
After months of downplaying the threat of the coronavirus in Brazil, he himself got it along with his wife. But when he was feeling better, he continued to downplay the pandemic, essentially causing more deaths and more infections. And that downplaying does have a consequence when it comes to the rate of infection and death in your country. And so here is that consequence. On Thursday this week, Brazil reached 5 million coronavirus cases and 150,000 deaths. The Brazilian president's infection did not change the way he led Brazil on the coronavirus pandemic. His leadership did not result in a more sympathetic approach to the pandemic, essentially urging Brazilians to stay home and to wear their mask and to take the necessary precautions when going out if needed. But the downplaying did and is still right now continuing. Contrast that to right now. When President Donald Trump and First Lady Melania Trump tested positive for COVID-19, there were many questions on if the president might change the way he led or if the president might become more sympathetic and apologize for his reckless leadership on this pandemic. But that did not happen. When President Trump was spontaneously discharged from Walter Reed this week, after only three days, he told Americans to not be afraid of the coronavirus and to, quote, not let it dominate your life, end quote. He also stated that he feels better than he he did in the the last two decades. So nothing has really changed on this, and the president is still downplaying the pandemic. And, you know, I, I'm glad the president is feeling better, but there is, there is some concern if that is actually true. President Trump has received an experimental, um, he has received a number of experimental drugs upon becoming infected with COVID-19, and his behavior is honestly concerning. I mean, part of what happened this week is the president called, called off talks with congressional Democrats on another COVID-19 relief bill, which he later walked back. He also has been releasing videos on the lawns of the White House promoting a drug that's not been, excuse me, promoting a drug that he's been given after testing positive, claiming that it's a cure for COVID-19, even though that it is not, that is not proven. The president can also be heard coughing twice on an interview yesterday, obviously raising some concerns about the president's health, despite him saying that he's feeling fantastic. Now, although... The president is still downplaying the coronavirus. The pandemic is still going on. For instance, in Connecticut, they are seeing a rise in coronavirus cases. On Thursday, the city of Hartford um, announced that the closures of athletic fields would transpire due to the surge in the cases. In Fairfield, Connecticut, a school named Fairfield, Fairfield University has now ordered its students to stay home. According to the CT Post, quote, of the 60 new cases among students, 29 were discovered through contact tracing. The school's data shows while 22 emerged from external tests taken by students. End quote. Steve, uh, Stephen Mansfield, the director of health for Ledge Light Health District, said, quote, The numbers we are seeing today are higher than we have ever seen in this pandemic. Since the very beginning, all of those measures, all those measures and cautions that people put, play, put in place back in March and April, they should be doing that now. End quote. The mayor of Norwich, Connecticut, um, said, quote, We have to be more cautious. I want to see everyone wearing masks in town. End quote. They are also now advising people to wash their hands and to maintain social distancing as cases continue to rise, as far as preventing transmission of the virus. 
Connecticut has more than 60,000 coronavirus cases and 4,530 deaths. In Wyoming, um, cases there are just surging. Their governor, Mark Gordon, is urging residents to wear masks and stay vigilant. Yesterday, the Wyoming Department of Health said that there are 54 hospitalized hospitalized people right now. There are 54 people hospitalized right now. According to Governor Mark Gordon's office, the positivity rate in Wyoming is 5%. In the earlier stages of the pandemic, um, Fremont County was a was a huge hotspot, and it has recently seen a surge in cases. As of right now, there are 117 active coronavirus cases in Fremont, which is a 50% increase from the number of cases that we saw in September. In Natrona County, cases there have just been rising as well. Yesterday, a woman became the became the 54th person to die in Wyoming from the coronavirus. There are now some concerns about schools in Wyoming after 60 students and and excuse me after 60 students and staff members are in quarantine because they were possibly exposed to COVID-19. According to Cowboy State Daily, according to yes, according to CowboyStateDaily.com, quote, uh, excuse me, they they write in their reporting they write in their reporting about a new coronavirus outbreak at a dorm in the University of Wyoming. Writing in part, quote, as of noon Thursday, the total number of active coronavirus cases UW students and employees was at 139 meaning 88 students living off campus and 50 students living on campus and one employee leaving off living off campus some 123 people in quarantine due to exposure to someone infected by the virus 36 students on campus and 87 people off campus end quote on monday wyoming's governor uh, governor mark gordon has asked the national guard to assist in contact tracing on monday um, the Wyoming Department of Health offered at-home DIY coronavirus tests. In other words, at-home do-it-yourself coronavirus test. Um, we, we, I actually reported back in, I believe it was back in March and March or April when this happened, because Denmark was doing the same thing. Um, it was the state public health director who said this in in Wyoming. Quote. This unique testing service includes online supervision of the sample collection process. It's a new option that adds to the choices available for testing in Wyoming for our residents. End quote. She went on to talk about how the state will receive 170,000 coronavirus tests uh, between now and December. That is part of the distribu- that is part of the distribution um, that's part of the distribution of 150 million tests which will be distributed across the country from the federal government. Another state that is that we have been continuing to follow on this show, and that is seeing just a continuation of rise in infections, is Iowa, um, where the Iowa total number of people infected with COVID-19 in the Iowa City School District has risen to 76. That includes 44 students and 32 staff members in the district since August 15th, when school essentially began. Despite Iowa's, despite Iowa's governor, Kim Reynolds, demanding schools reopen, the Iowa City District has said no and is isolating their students in favor of CDC recommendations. Nevertheless, Iowa is also, nevertheless, Iowa is also reporting an all-time high in coronavirus patients receiving treatments. KCRG reports, quote, as of Tuesday, 449 people are receiving treatment in Iowa hospitals, an all-time high 
roughly 25%, excuse me, roughly 25 are UIHC, which is average, less than half are in the ICU, end quote. Iowa's also now seeing a rise in hospitalizations, and their positivity rate is at 17%, which is the fourth highest in the nation. Reportedly, Governor Kim Reynolds has adopted a voluntary, a voluntary mask and distancing policy approach. Earlier this week, the White House Coronavirus Task Force um, noted that there are, quote, many preventable deaths in Iowa, end quote. On Thursday, um, Oregon reported a record number of new coronavirus infections in schools. Governor, Craig, Governor Kate Brown said, quote, My priority is getting kids safely back in school, but that becomes more difficult as COVID-19 spreads. End quote. We also learned on Thursday that 14 schools in Oregon are reporting new coronavirus outbreaks. In New Mexico, um, Governor Michelle Luan Grissom said we are heading in the wrong direction, and she is warning that her state could potentially become the new epicenter in the nation for coronavirus cases, saying, quote, we are at extreme risk of uncontrollable spread, end quote. We are going to have more reporting on that tomorrow as this story continues to progress. And as we are just watching this dire concern right now in New Mexico, as coronavirus cases are continuing to rise exponentially. But here's an update on a story that we've been following um, on the Jeremiah Patterson Show, and it's about Georgia. Last weekend, I talked about Georgia withholding information from the public on COVID-19 outbreaks in schools. Well, um, as a part of per as part of pursuing that reporting from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, I emailed a person who is in charge of media relations at the Georgia Department of Health. Um, we have gotten no response back yet, but we live in hope. Um, but what has happened this week is very intriguing. Um, a lawsuit has been filed against Georgia Governor Brian Kemp. Um, this lawsuit has been filed by a teacher. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution says, quote, The lawsuit alleges that lax state and local standards have exposed staff, students, families, and the Paulding community to risk of infection by the sometimes deadly virus. End quote. The article goes on to say, quote, the Georgia Association of Educators, educators, the state's second largest teaching teacher advocacy organization with 28,000 members, is a part to this is a party to the suit with the anonymous Paulding employee and the education group member described as a longtime teacher. She is referred to by her initials MJ because she referred because she fears retaliation by the school district. The suit says then the Excuse me, that was reporting according to the suit. Um, she lives with a parent who is nearly 80 and who has lung disease. Um, that enhances the risk of, of co the consequences of COVID-19. She also has a child attending the school system who has asthma and severe allergies. Though Paulding off offers, and I believe Paulding is a school district, though Paulding offers an online option, this family chose not to enroll in it because the child is a, quote, strong student and, quote, because of the complexity of the subject matter and the rigorous workload of her curriculum, end quote. Yesterday, um, in Texas, Dallas County reported 448 new coronavirus cases. The county judge there, Governor, excuse me, the county judge there, County Judge um, Judge Clay Jenkins, is urging residents to remain vigilant and take precautions. He also said, quote, please do not go to large gatherings or any gathering where people are not wearing their mask 100% of the time, 
which is usually indoors. End quote. Here is, um, here, is, here is actually one of the headlines from the Texas Tribune yesterday. Quote, as El Paso sees record high coronavirus infections, leaders say residents aren't taking pandemic seriously enough. End quote. We are also continue to, we're also going to have more reporting on that story on tomorrow as it is very serious right now. Just very, very serious. I mean, the headlines this week. Earlier this week, for instance, um, Dr. Anthony Fauci, Dr. Fauci, he said this. We could have from 300,000 to 400,000 deaths. That would be just so tragic if that happens. 300,000 to 400,000 deaths. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine 300,000 to at least 400,000 of our fellow Americans gone? That includes teachers, students, parents, grandparents, workers that you see at the store, medical workers, gone. This is what happens when you downplay. This is what happens when you downplay and you do not retake, you do not take responsibility for your actions. The failure of leadership at the top echelons of the federal government is appalling. It is astonishing and it is infuriating. When the president himself got infected last week, we thought maybe, maybe he will change. Maybe the leadership on this pandemic will change. But the downplaying is continuing. More than 7 million coronavirus cases, more than 7 million Americans now have a pre-existing condition if they did not already have one. And more than 214,000 Americans are dead. I've been reporting for a long time on the coronavirus pandemic and how the CDC is being politicized by the White House and by this, excuse me, by this administration, by the Trump administration. Here is um, what a former CDC director, what, here's what happened earlier um, this week when this news broke about a former CDC director urging the current CDC director, Dr. Robert Redfield, to step down. At the CDC, a letter from a former director to the current one is opening eyes wide. Dr. William Fagey, who worked under President Reagan, calls the government's response a, quote, slaughter, and says the current CDC director needs to expose the administration's mistakes, even if it costs him his job. I kept hoping that the White House task force would see what they're doing isn't working and would change. But this is going to go down as one of the worst responses to a pandemic. One of the worst responses to a pandemic. More than 214,000 Americans are dead. And yes, it is worth continuing to repeat that number because that is ridiculous. That is unfathomable. And it should never have happened. More than 214,000 Americans are dead. When other nations got their outbreak under control, why was it that the United States was still grappling? Politics and, and science should never, never come together. The politicization of this pandemic is sad. And the president has tried his best to irreparably fracture the CDC and to silence any scientist that is willing to tell him the truth about this pandemic, and to manipulate that information for political benefit. This is honestly, it is ridiculous. 
More than 214,000 Americans are dead. And counting. More than 7 million coronavirus cases. Kids are already heading back to school where cases are continuing to rise exponentially in some states just not wanting to release that information. Don't bother. We'll keep it secret. When the president was exposed for last month, saying that he knew that the coronavirus pandemic was a very, very serious threat, the downplaying continued. When he was infected, the downplaying continued. And now the president is getting ready to hold some more rallies because I'm sure that'll be great for his health. Oh, wait, he's feeling fantastic. And there also is a risk in that. Because we do not know when the president last tested positive for the coronavirus. The White House is essentially wanting to conceal that information. The public doesn't need to see it. Or maybe they don't know, because according to the New York Times this week, the president hasn't been getting regularly tested, which is also another concern. The president bragging about testing earlier in the earlier stages of the pandemic. I mean, they used to release that information that the president tested negative in all the test results of the the president of the United States. Why are they trying to conceal that information right now? And why is the president going to rallies right now? Why is he holding this? Why is he announcing that he's going to be holding a big giant rally on the South Lawn? A big giant, uh, a big giant get get together on the South Lawn. A little public gathering. Why is that happening right now? Why is that continuing? The downplaying of this will not just go down in history as reckless and incompetent and feckless and horrendous leadership to get this coronavirus outbreak, to get these, to get the coronavirus pandemic under control in our country. It will not just go down as that. But this will go down as the most horrendous administration when it comes when it came to addressing a pandemic that could have saved hundreds of thousands of lives the leadership on this is just ignorant and the diabolical behavior by jared kushner who worked on the white house coronavirus task force essentially ordering that yeah we we don't need to give ventilators to blue states they don't need it they're not our people this is what will go down in history The failed leadership on the coronavirus pandemic, some of the most diabolical actions by this administration when it came to addressing this, playing politics. It is infuriating that we are here. More than 214,000 Americans are dead. The downplaying is continuing. What do we do when that happens? Dr. Anna Stratus joins me next. All right, here's a caveat before we get to the interview. You should know that there will be many pauses. Um, so Dr. Anastratus will be speaking. And as she is speaking, um, sometimes her, her, her Zoom recording, her mic would just pause. Um, so I could not hear those parts of the interview. Um, you will also hear those pauses. I try to edit that part out in the interview, but it was still fantastic. It was such a great interview. Um, here's that interview right now. Welcome back, everyone. Joining me now for the interview is Dr. Anna Stratus. Um, she worked in New York during the just the disastrous time of the pandemic um, when people were dying at alarming rates, and she's joining me now once again. Dr. Stratus, thank you so much for coming back on the show. Thanks, Jeremiah. It's great to be back. So we learned earlier last week that the president was infected with COVID-19. And when the president when the president returned to the White House, the first thing that he did um, was take off his mask. The president only stayed at Walter Reed for three days. Are you concerned that the president was not taking this seriously and wanting to rush this for 
political benefit. Absolutely. And it's disgusting. It's horrifying. Uh, it's, it's just absolutely disastrous what has, what has played out. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Complete disregard, not only for the health, he's sending a very strong message because he is the commander in chief. People look to his advice, unfortunately, and he has just continued to expose people in the White House administration. Um, and again, it's not going to be the people who are sort of the high paid uh, celebrities around him. It's going to be the staffers, the people mm-hmm. who are trying to work hard to build their career that are exposed. They're exposed their families it's 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 the president could have used this moment to become more sympathetic and change his leadership on the pandemic um, but that did not happen are you concerned that if other people catch the coronavirus potentially his supporters are you concerned that they will not take this seriously as a form of as a form of follow the leader Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it's not a matter of when you catch it, that you won't take it seriously. The The thing is, we have to prevent the spread and we have to prevent folks who are vulnerable to complications of COVID from getting COVID. Mm-hmm. So absolutely. Just the, the, the view that, you know, masks are for weak people is something that he's further um, perpetuated. And it, it's absolutely horrible that, and again, my, my concern, Concern is not for the wealthy person who's who has underlying good health status, right? In mm-hmm. the in the caste system of the United States, the people who have consistently been the underdog and have been oppressed and discriminated against, those are the people that I fear for. Mm-hmm. We are now um, looking at cases rise in multiple states. In Oregon, um, cases are rising exponentially. In New Mexico, the governor is saying that this could potentially become the new epicenter. Also, we are watching in New York right now, um, cases continue to rise. How will we know when New York has hit its second wave? Oh, man, I know. And that breaks my heart because, mm-hmm. you know, just the the thousands of people were dying every day in New York. Um, I, I The only thing I can say is that, yes, we may be hitting our second wave even now. Mm. Um, I, I will say, though, that our leadership in the state with Governor Cuomo if we're going to have a second wave, like even we're having up in Canada with in New York, in Ontario and Quebec, there are second waves hitting there too. It's, it's, it's what leadership do you have at the helm through that second wave? Mm-hmm. So it breaks my heart to think that New York is going to be battered again. And of course, again, it's always going to be those neighborhoods, those zip codes that are already disadvantaged. They already have overcrowding and poor socioeconomic status. But if there's one saving grace, it is that the governor is going to be sensible and reasonable in terms of curtailing the things that need to be curtailed. And Mm -hmm. specifically, again, not necessarily pulling kids out of school, but limiting all of the social gatherings that don't relate necessarily to children that are these super spreader events. And I feel like the governor is going to be really tough and firm on us and just keep us going in one message. According to new news reporting um, by NBC News, New York, um, the New York is now firing up a, a potentially a $15,000 um, fine for COVID violations. Do you think this will help enforce uh, and sort of, sort of say, sort of uh, help people, not sort of, do you think that this will be an effective measure in getting people to stay home? is a lot. (laughs) You know, as a resident of New York City, I think, oh my gosh, how on earth do you like enforce that? Um, Mm -hmm. I think, to be honest, I don't think fines are it. I I think, 
at the end of the day, it is that people are looking for a consistent message. Mm-hmm. It's it's not the stick that's going to help folks. It's the carrot. I think it's it's the just everybody being unified behind one message, a sensible public health message that really calls to our sense of community with other people. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, fines, nah. I, I think we have to be reminded on a daily basis uh, what we're all doing this for. Mm-hmm. I think that speaks stronger than any fines, personally. As the um, as the president was downplaying the first wave of the coronavirus, there was just people all over the United States dying, not just regular American citizens, but we had lots of medical workers die. Um, yesterday, I believe this was yesterday, a Texas doctor died. She was 28 years old. Um, one person saying, quote, she wore the same mask for weeks, if not months, end quote. Are you concerned yeah. that when states individually hit their second wave, are you concerned that we will not have enough medical workers to assist um, the, the, the COVID patients? Yeah, that's a great point. And it's funny, I remember reusing my mask in April. <laughs> that's, mm. you know, and unfortunately, I don't think anything has been put in PPE. Um, yeah, I worry about that. I, I worry too, like in April, we had in New York City, hundreds or thousands of medical workers who are flooding in from all parts of the country to help. Mm-hmm. My worry is not necessarily that folks will have died off, but there will be fatigue and mistrust and burnout among healthcare Mm -hmm. workers. Because the message from the commander in chief is we don't care about you. We're not going to protect you. And your, your work is not valuable. So I think that's what essential workers have walked away from. They don't believe that Trump and his allies and everybody who votes for him really cares. Mm -hmm. So my worry is that in the second wave, a lot of medical workers will stay home. Mm. Burnout Um, is my concern. Mm -hmm. Dr. Anthony Fauci said just earlier this week that the United States could potentially hit, uh, excuse me, the CDC, I believe it's the CDC that said Mm -hmm. the United States could potentially hit 233 deaths by the end of this month. Right now, we are at 200 and more than 214,000. I don't know how, how worse this could get. Yeah. A, if the president is reelected and B, if the downplaying continues. How concerned yeah. are you um, that the president is saying that he feels fantastic and there's still downplaying of this? Yeah, it, it's it's so devastating. Um, I think, I, and here's the reason why is it's yes, the mounting death death toll is 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 horrifying, but the other thing too is until this country gets a handle on this virus and gets a mature approach to it, people's lives will be kept on hold, schooling will be interrupted, mental health will continue to get worse. So there's other communities and societies that have managed to get their life back on track because they've had a mature response to the virus. Mm -hmm. So the longer we're going to play like little children in the playground with this virus and with this absolute immature monstrosity at the the helm, um, the, the U.S. is going to continue to suffer direct and indirect morbidity and mortality from this virus. One of the stories that um, I've been following on for this show is um, schools. And mm. some schools are, even in Georgia, and now we have new reporting as of this week of Illinois, concealing their outbreaks, not releasing mm. them to the public. Are you concerned that more kids will be pulled out or are you just concerned that that will cause more cases to rise and they'll just be kept secret? Oh my God, that, you know, it's funny. I didn't actually know that. And that is, mm-hmm. that is 
devastating. And I think, isn't it criminal? Um, (laughs) Isn't that criminal? We reached out to the Georgia Department of Health's office. They Mm. said uh, they they didn't get back to us yet. Mm. Um, But when when I read the article by the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, they said that they're referring to the outbreaks as, quote, investigations, end quote. Oh my God, that's- I guess they're trying to wrap like a legal term around it to conceal those outbreaks. What do you make of that? Oh my gosh. I mean, I would think a class action lawsuit could be brought against these districts where um, they're withholding essential public health information from parents and and children. Um, We have to be able to claim and look those numbers right in the eye because until we know the numbers, we don't know the epidemiology. We have to know the trends so that, you know, whether or not kids, whether or not schools are are temporarily shut, whether or not kids are pulled out, it's it's an essential part of the contact tracing as well, you know. um, kids and their parents have to know when there has been a case or two reported in a classroom mm-hmm. so that they can isolate, they can test, et cetera. It's, it's public health 101. And, and that that is being broken is, is dangerous I agree. and reckless. Mm-hmm. Another thing that schools are doing is some school districts are releasing the information, um, but they are not releasing the information about individual schools, which is essentially mm-hmm. making it more difficult for parents to understand if their child has an outbreak, if we can't get this under control, are you concerned about the the fall? As you concerned, are you mm. concerned about moving into the winter um, with the flu season and the pandemic? Oh my gosh, and that's a whole other thing. And especially because I'm I'm back actually in Toronto, and I'm and I'm sort of, you know, as a family physician, I'm I'm basically at the front lines of figuring out who needs to go to school, who needs to stay home from school, and then when mm-hmm. flu comes along, um, so. Uh, there has to be complete transparency because then, you know, medical professionals like us, we can't do our job if we don't know where the virus is concentrating. Um, We have to also understand where the flu rates are coming up. We need complete epi transparency here to be able Mm. to do our jobs and keep people safe and, and keep the virus contained as much as possible. Earlier this week, there was a a shocking report from the New York times um, that the White House blocked CDC guidance on, on public transformation, excuse me, on tr- public transportation. Um, the White House blocked that guidance. The CDC was essentially advising people to wear a mask on planes and while traveling. Are you concerned about that? And wh- how does that make you feel as a oh medical professional? Yeah, I mean, you know, basically, there's a gag order on the CDC. And it seems that mm-hmm. that any reasonable scientist at the CDC or epidemiologist has been gagged. And, and essentially, the White House has kind of taken over um, control of the reporting. So essentially, the CDC is not a reliable source for information anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that that is terrifying. We do not yes. we don't have a compass. Most definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, the president here, Uh, Twitter actually blocked the president earlier this week for spreading misinformation on his account. And the president does have millions and millions of followers. Are you concerned that that message will be amplified by his supporters all over the country and refusing to do what is medically necessary to keep others safe? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And and this being this ridiculous election circus is everything now is for votes. Um, mm-hmm. And people don't understand they're being pawns in the game of essentially somebody's uh, attempts to get reelected just because, you know, a failed businessman is 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 uh, in, in huge debt and, and needs the money. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think Americans understand that they're tools of manipulation when they're spreading these Twitter, uh, when they're spreading these tweets, they're just aiding this 
extremely dangerous person who history will look back on and say this was um, sort of the the the, the Nazi regime of our time. And it, it seems mm-hmm. inciting to, to say it in those terms, but history will look back on this time and everybody who supported this regime as, as incredibly threatening to the human race. Yes. Um, I have not, <clears throat> I have seen pictures and videos of, of people dying in, in, off, in, in hospitals uh, from the coronavirus, but I have not physically, physically been in that presence or experienced that. As a medical professional, I know that they are alone um, they do not have any family members. Is that is that lonely and is that scary? Looking at it from from your point. Yeah, it, it's a it's a death without dignity. Mm. Um, you know, when I saw folks coming in in April, um, and again, I don't imagine death from COVID has changed at all. Um, folks already were behind the eight ball in terms of being marginalized in society for and and marginalized from resources, and they would come in with their cell phone. And they'd be in the emergency department, struggling to breathe, having a conversation with their loved one. Mm-hmm. And as their oxygen saturation would be dropping and we'd be saying, you need to be intubated. Mm. I knew that that conversation over the phone would be the last conversation they would have with a loved one. They would tell me, oh, um, here's my brother. Just make sure you contact him. And I knew that that was the last conversation that he would have. I knew that that was a, the conversation with me would be the last human person that they would contact. Mm. Not only is it death without dignity, it is incredibly scary. It's lonely. And to be cut off from the people that you love at the final hours of your life, um, to only have people with masks and visors and gowns around you Mm -hmm. and the beep, beep, beeping of machines and and seeing somebody else being resuscitated without success in a bed beside you and dead bodies around you, Mm -hmm. it's a war zone. Yeah, it's, it's nothing short of a war zone. If I can paint a small picture of what I saw it was like to die of COVID, that's what it looks and sounds like. Mm. I'm, I've seen medical professionals all over the country describe that, describe that, um, describe those scenes to other people. But as far as a political standpoint, I, I'm just not able to comprehend why leaders, while some leaders are not amplifying that message to their supporters and and taking it seriously the president is now officially getting ready to hold more new rallies after only i i don't think he's fully fully been quarantined um yesterday he was heard coughing on an interview with a reporter (laughs) yeah he's still shedding virus my friends mm -hmm. absolutely he's still infectious Mm -hmm. the president has received lots of experimental drug treatments are you concerned that he is still ill and what should we do as a country? I mean, how should we feel as a country knowing that if the president, uh, there's, there's been lots of talk about the 25th amendment. How should we feel as a country if the president um, is mm-hmm. still ill? Mm. Um, you know, unfortunately, I, I fear that this guy is just, just more dangerous alive than dead. Um, <laughs> and I, I, I hate to be nasty about it, but the thing is, is he's still shedding virus, but he has had the remdesivir and the monoclonal antibodies. So symptomatically, he is he's made a faster recovery because of all the access that that ordinary Americans don't get. Mm-hmm. However, he we know he's still shedding virus. Um, if he were incapacitated, I mean, to be honest, I I don't. Unfortunately, evil never dies. I I don't think he's going to be incapacitated. I I, I don't I don't want to be 
ill wishing ill will. Mm -hmm. Uh, but as one Toronto reporter for Al Jazeera said, um, this is not a time to say that I don't wish, I, I, I don't wish him well on November 3rd. I don't wish him well at all. Mm -hmm. Um, I, he needs to be brought down. He stands for hatred. He stands for exclusion. Um, he stands for the disruption of our civilization as we know it and, and human compassion. So I wish his downfall on November 3rd. As we are now, um, 25 days, I, I believe it's 24 days to the presidential election. Mm. Um, we have seen this, this culminated effort by, uh, by Democratic nominee Joe Biden, who is mm. now willing to, who's, who has always been willing to wear his mask, and he's sort of been mocked by it for the president. Um, he is amplifying this message, and he's getting lots of political support and bipartisan support. Mm-hmm. If there were to be a, a, a Biden presidency, do you think we could potentially get this outbreak under control, get these outbreaks? That's a really good question. Um, I, I fear that there's been some irreparable damage because the message, the tone has sort of introduced so much disruption and so much doubt that the, nobody knows what's real and fake anymore in terms of news. We've been so divided. Um, I think that the message, the, the ship would start, the tide would start to turn. But the problem is, is that I think Biden would be in, in conflict with all the governors that have sided with Trump and mm -hmm. there would still be a distorted message. So I think states like New York would do well uh, because the message, the, the federal and the state message would be aligned, mm -hmm. but it's going to take years to correct the damage and the mistrust, uh, the mistrust of science. Um, yeah. The inability to listen to folks who've actually trained their whole lives and careers to give accurate news and advice. And that is damage that may be 10, 15 years out in correcting. Mm. How do you feel about the current stage of the pandemic? More than 214,000 Americans are dead, more than 7 million cases and rising. Um, one of the opening analogies that I use for the show is how the Brazilian president, when he caught the coronavirus, um, he was downplaying it before he caught it. Then after he caught it, he continued to downplay it, um, essentially saying that he knew he was going to catch it someday. And yeah. Oh, unbelievable. <laughs> unbelievable. Yeah, it's absolutely un un unfathomable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How do you feel about the our, our oh, current? True. How do you feel about the status quo and where we can potentially progress as a nation in getting this up, getting this under control? Um, I, you know, to understand that this virus is one of the largest threats to not only our health but our well-being, our mental well-being, our economic well-being, and that the the really tricky thing about this virus is that it has laid bare that certain people enjoy good health and certain mm -hmm. people don't. And that it, it lays bare also the inequity, the deep inequity in, in, in our society. And so our approach has to, has to acknowledge that some people will not even have symptoms when they catch this virus. Some people will have mild symptoms and some people will die. Some mm -hmm. people will be long haulers and experience COVID symptoms for months or years to come. So the deep compassion that it takes to understand that this virus is very sneaky and manipulative and it'll affect people disproportionately, you know, unlike influenza, influenza tends to have quite a uniform, um, you know, certainly it, it attacks vulnerable folks more, but mm -hmm. across society, influenza does tend to sort of enact the same kind of symptom spectrum. COVID makes some of us 
uh, believe that we are superior because we've had a less response to it. And therefore it outlines our inequity. So mm. I believe the time is now to understand it's time to fundamentally look at the way that we treat people across society, to look at the caste system that we practice, and to understand that the measure of our society is how we take care of the weakest and most vulnerable in our society. And if there's one lesson to learn from COVID, if there's one way that we can actually beat this virus down, it is to understand that equity in society, access to healthcare and access to nutrition, exercise and good health is everyone's fundamental right. Mm. Uh, once again, my guest is Dr. Anna Stratus. Dr. Stratus, thank you so much for coming on the show. I always appreciate your perspective on these things. Jeremiah, thank you so much. Thank you. Hey, Google. More than 100 billion words are translated every day. Thank you very much for your help. Words about food. Words about friendship. About sport. About belief. About fear. Words that can hurt and sometimes divide. But every day, the most translated words in the world are how are you, thank you, and I love you. Welcome back. Um, we have lots more to get to on the Jeremiah Patterson Show. And because of that, I don't want to make this episode super long. So we're going to push all of that, all of that and more reporting on Hurricane Delta, as well as our TJPS special report on the brain-eating amoeba in Texas. We're going to push that for tomorrow's show. Uh, please join me on that show. Um, I'm, very much for, I'm very much looking forward to that show. Uh, but thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Jeremiah Patterson Show. I hope you enjoyed it. Share this episode with your family and friends and I will see you tomorrow.